Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host Chris Broad and we're joined by top London radio DJ and Japanophile, Mr Pete Dawson. Pete, how the devil are you? I'm good, I'm in front of my computer, I've got a pencil that says the Soho Hotel London with the phone number 020-7559-3000. You didn't need to know that. I'm not breaking any data protection by telling you the phone number for that hotel, because it's all on public <laughs> record. You've painted a, a nice picture of your setting Exactly. There. A pencil and computer. That's all I need. Yes. In pitsu and computer. Today, we are going to bash out 21 questions sent in by you guys. Uh, well, the inbox is full of fantastic comments and messages and emails. Mm. We're going to go through, see what we can find, and answer lots of questions. Isn't that right, Pete? We are, and we're going to try and do it as quickly as we can, because 21 questions, turns out, is a hell of a lot of questions. <laughs> so let's get started. <laughs> I think I was being a bit bold. All right, shoot, <laughs> you begin, Pete. I'll begin. First question. Hi, guys. My name is Hannah, and I want to ask a cultural question. I mean, this question isn't that cultural, let's face it. A long time ago, I heard a fact that if you don't burp after eating a meal in Japan, it is considered rude to the chef. I was wondering if this was true or just some made-up thing. Hannah. <laughs> do you do a lot of burping after dinner right there, Chris? Uh, I think this is an easy question, and the answer is no. Mm. I think you've been lied to by someone. Now, I, don't, I don't know anything about all that. <laughs> <laughs> People do burp here, but they kind of do it behind closed doors, or <laughs> right. just not at all. But I think um, I don't think it's as rude as in the West necessarily. No, well, I guess like um, in the UK, if someone burps in front of public in, in public. It's awful, right? In Japan, I guess with the slurping of the noodles and stuff, that's kind of an example mm. of something that's a bit oh, a bit gauche in the West. But uh, out east, fine. How else are you going to get noodles in your goddamn mouth? <laughs> yes, but. To, to conclude, no, don't burp. Don't ever. burp. That won't go down well. Your first day <laughs> in Japan, burp everywhere. Uh, uh. Hunter says, hello, gents. Loving the podcast. Definitely the highlight of my week. My question is, has Natsuki's salon seen any influx of business since he started to be loved worldwide as Chris's wacky, wonderful sidekick? Thanks, guys. Keep doing what you're doing, Hunter. Uh, he's actually had, I think he's only had five or six viewers come in. And... To be honest, that's because we've kept it on the low. Mm. We don't want everyone knowing where he lives because 
it's just a bit odd and <laughs> yes privacy reasons but some people have found out where he lives somehow uh, and they have gone there and they visited him and had a haircut by him and had their hair dyed by him uh, so yes but no I don't think there's really been an influx and I hopefully <laughs> there won't be so because we've got to keep it private so Natsuki c- can actually cut hair himself because I know he owns the salon but so he, he's actually quite hands on he gets the bleach out he gets the ammonia out and he and he bleaches and, 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 and does a do effectively his, his, his number one skill is dying hair and head ah. massages. He's bloody oh. good at head massages. I remember he gave me one once. I was sitting there with my head in one of those bowls. You know where they wash your hair? Yeah. You lay back and then wash your hair. It's the most amazing feeling in the world. Uh, but it just felt a bit weird. Natsuki washing my hair and then massaging my head. I'm something so t- I'm something so felt a bit on. wrong about that. I'm so uh, right now, Chris. Natsuki. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's the answer. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, Jeff... At Bike Up Japan uh, on Twitter. Uh, just listen to episode, uh, an episode when you express an interest to bike the length of Japan. I thought I'd drop you a note that I'm in the middle mm. of a, a solo bike tour that started on April 9th at Cape Sata and will uh, take me to Cape Soya in uh, late May, early June. I'm writing this email from Shikoku. Um, I've been planning the, tra- uh, the trip for the last four years, so I thought it might uh, help <laughs> to him make myself available if you've got any questions or need some advice. He says um, the biggest difficulty is uh, negating uh, uh, tunnels, basically. Some are kind of unavoidable and few are bike-friendly, but uh, frankly... Navigating through some rural parts of Nara uh, was very difficult. I kept having to check my uh, katai uh, every few hundred metres, which really slow slows down uh, progress. Is that some kind of GPS systems or anything? Or map or katai? Katai, it's just your s- smartphone. Ah, katai means phone. Of course, uh-huh. yes, I see. Vocal um, of the week. <laughs> Vocal of the week, katai. Uh, on the uh, plus side, I had a few great little chats with some of the older folks who were surprised and happy to see me biking through. Uh, do... Do the bike trip and drag Pete along, or even better, Natsuki. That's rude. Uh, it's been both challenging and awesome so far, <laughs> and I think it will make for some great content. All the best, Jeff. He's at Bike Up in Japan. Uh, sorry, at Bike Up Japan, and the Instagram is also at Bike Up Japan if you want to check out his adventures. It's cool. It's, it's nice to know. I've, I've had a few people message me since hmm. a few podcasts ago. I said I wanted to cycle across Japan later yeah. in the year as part of my fitness plan, as part of a challenge. And I've had hmm. a few people get to me. Uh, I've started following Jeff at Bike Up Japan on Instagram because it's quite cool to see the route he's doing. Yeah. Might inspire me. So yeah, check him out if you're thinking of travelling across Japan. Wonderful, very romantic idea. Hmm. Uh, Darren says, "What are your favourite films? Uh, favourite Japanese films? Right. And what is the one question you hate getting all the time? That's oh, what is that? What is the what is the worst question you uh, you had? Well, I think about that. I know. Well, I know my favourite Japanese film is called Tampopo. It's a ramen western. It's got Ken Watanabe in, actually. Uh, and it's about a woman who's got a pretty crap ramen restaurant. Then Ken Watanabe and his friend turn up, and they're like cowboys coming into a town. It's Yeah, it's, it's a, a ramen western, they call it. Mm. Kind of piss take of a spaghetti western. But it's just yeah. cool. They help her make this ramen shop into something good. They turn her ramen into really good ramen and yeah it's, it's just a funny comedic story it's oh, quite yeah. original um, beautiful Tampopo Tampopo awesome 80s film well, a bit that, quirky that, question that, I hate oh yeah the question you hate yeah go on awkward uh, no, what's your favourite film uh, Japanese film. Japanese I don't know. Well, film. I think Japanese I've spoken film. about uh, that guy Adam Terrell's uh, productions. Uh, I really like Love and Other Cults. Love and Other Cults, and uh, Fukuchan of oh, Fuku Fuku, Fuku Flats. There's a little bit. Of, it's a little bit funny. A little bit silly. A little bit kind of um, Wes Anderson. 
lot of uh, time for those two films. So uh, he also sent me Low Life Love, which I've not got around to watching yet, but I will do. Apparently it's very cool. Mm. I think my the question I hate getting the most is like, I think, why did I go to Japan? Right, because, okay. I mean, it's an obvious question, right? Mm. But it's just the fact that I get asked it every day. Why do through anything? Through viewers, through people on Twitter, people in the street, everyone I meet. Why did you go to Japan? <laughs> why did you go to Japan? And it's a question that people just want a quick answer, like, mm. oh, I like temples, oh, I like anime, oh, I like uh, Mount Fuji. But there is no one answer. It's yeah. kind of a big, long answer that takes me 15 minutes to explain, which is why I made a video about it. Um, but yeah, that's the question that annoys me. Just say I you think were... because I, people aren't willing to listen to the answer. I ruined my life in London. London. I can't say London. Why can't I say London? <laughs> London, Sorry, London, London. London. I've got a lazy tongue today. Uh, thank you for that uh, question. <laughs> uh, whoever that was from. Darren. Quick one, but a good one. Um, this one comes from Dan. Hi, guys. Really enjoying the podcast, which reminds me of a very happy time in my life when I lived in Tokyo, the best city on earth between 2005 and 2007. Circumstances and small children have stopped me going back since, even for a holiday. So my question is, how has Japan changed in the last 10 years? What would freak me out if I went back tomorrow? Uh, for me, maps. Have, even in the last five years since I've been going, maps have got more English, which maps. is a good thing for the English. Maps? Maps, like train maps and that. Maps? Maps. Oh, they've got, oh, they've got English on them. Yeah, yes. Good point. I think the biggest change is it's become very... There's a lot of tourists now. Mm. Someone criticised me in a recent podcast uh, because I use the word touristy a lot, when right. the word I was really looking for is crowded. Uh, but Japan, in terms of tourists, it does feel a lot more crowded now. Ten years ago, there were only about six or seven million tourists coming per year to yeah. Japan. And now that number is 30 million. So it's gone up, you know, three, four times. It's crazy. Three or four times now. Wow. Um, and certainly in areas in Tokyo, it's certainly noticeable. Tokyo and Kyoto feel notably more crowded. Yeah. Uh, Shinjuku as well has had a massive facelift in the last 10 years. It used to be very seedy in Kabukicho, the, mm. uh, the red light district that's also an entertainment district where lots of foreign travellers go and have fun. It's... Uh, <laughs> They it's it's changed. They've built lots of tall buildings there. They've kind of made it more family friendly, and it doesn't feel seedy anymore. Mm. And in a weird way, I like the old way. It felt like it had a lot more uh, character and depth to it. Yeah, uh, it was kind of it was more intimidating as well walking through it at night. But it felt kind of more authentic. Now it just feels like a big tourist trap haven. So yes, I think that's the biggest change. Um, yeah, it's it's very much like Tourists. where I where I live in. Uh, I live on Old Cotton Street, which is like the gear street of uh, of London, and um, they there's just loads mm. of um, it's just changed so much. I've only been there for like, three or four years, and things have changed exponentially. All of like the old kind of strip clubs, all the old clip joints and stuff, they've sort of moved out, and all the Starbucks's and the oh, Primarches, they've all sort of. <laughs> I know what can I do? What can I do? <laughs> Unbelievable scenes. Hey, Chris and Pete. <laughs> I have a question about living in the Inaka uh, countryside. I'm moving to Japan on the JET programme for 2018, and although we haven't received our placements yet, I'm sure I'll be living somewhere rural. I was wondering what are the best parts of living in rural Japan, and in your opinion, what is the best way to experience the countryside? E.g., what should I do, where can I go, and what can I, what can I do there that I can't do in the city? Ah. Thanks for the content, Daniel. Daniel, uh, don't know. 
What can you do in the countryside? <laughs> what can you do I in the feel you can integrate in the countryside in a way that is difficult in the city. Yeah. People in the countryside tend to be a little bit more friendly. Like where I lived in Yamagata, after three years, I knew everyone. I knew everyone at the school. I knew everyone at the international centre. I knew people in dozens of bars and restaurants. I felt like I could, I could walk down the street and the local people I'd walk past would know who I was and they would talk to me. And it was nice. I, there was a real sense of, I belong there. I fitted into the culture. I fitted, in, fitted into the community. And I think you wouldn't get that in a city. So I would just encourage you to get involved in as many things as you can. Get involved in teaching some English outside of school to some locals, you know, just run a, a Kiowa, an English language club, as mm. I used to do. And uh, just get engaged and have fun. And also get a car, because... One of the things I love to do, which I can't do now because I don't have a car and I don't live in the countryside, mm. was to just drive out into the countryside, listen to Duran Duran and drive through a rice field, scaring everyone by playing Duran Duran really loudly and various <laughs> other 80s bands, like Run DMC. So do that. <laughs> and, and presumably, like, if, if you're not in a city, things will be a little bit cheaper. There won't be so much nightlife, so you won't be spending quite so much money out on the town let's say you know that's so it's, right it's, yeah. it's a little bit more um uh, and, and 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 being a, a jet teacher you ain't gonna get a king's ransom are you so i mean it kind of it kind of kind of goes hand right. in hand you your money goes a lot further in the countryside you can yeah. get like a really decent sized property get more bang for your buck out mm. in the countryside I, I feel and then you also you find you appreciate cities more like i remember going into sendai after a year of living in the country and i was just overwhelmed marveling at all the shops and everything it was mm. like h&m for example i was like wow a h&m that's incredible we haven't i haven't seen that in a year and just <laughs> things you would take for granted you, yeah you, it changes your perspective on things but i do miss living in the countryside i did prefer it to living in the city and yeah fingers crossed you do live somewhere rural because i think you'll enjoy it a lot more and you'll find something a bit more profound out there than you would do living in a city so, yes. Thank you, Daniel. Stuff. Fantastic mm. stuff, Daniel. Uh, we got a question from. Have we got a question? It's more of a statement. Uh, Aaron or Aaron, Aaron M. Uh, people are always asking you guys for a way to tell what restaurants in Japan are English friendly. I want to pass along this website, gurunavi.com. That's G U R U N A V I.com. It can tell you if a place has English menus, search by area, and even how good they are. It's incredibly helpful. Thank you for the podcast. I hope this helps everyone. So that's guru. Navi.com. Yes. Ah. Guru Guru Navi is a really good website actually for ah. uh, checking out restaurants. It's the way in Japan people know if a restaurant's good or not. They kind of go on Guru Navi, look it up and see if it's good or not. And more recently they've uh, worked out a way to translate it into English. So it kind of works in English. It's getting okay. better. Before right. it used to just be Japan, Japanese only, but uh, I think they've just in integrated uh, Google Translate now so the translations are a little bit off but you can a get a wonk. rough idea <laughs> yeah <laughs> if the restaurant's good or not so guru navi check it out um ying says hi chris and p i absolutely love your videos and enjoy listening to the podcast on my way to school every thursday morning much love and appreciation from australia oh. i've been to japan twice now i'm learning japanese only started this year and driving my parents and friends crazy with my love of ramen. How? How yeah, are you driving them crazy throwing, with your love of ramen? Throwing it around, like, <laughs> sleeping in it. I don't... <laughs> Imagine that, yeah. Mum, Dad, what? <laughs> Just throwing a lump of ramen at someone's face. 
<laughs> when I visited Takayama on my first trip, I accidentally left my gloves in a restaurant. A little while later, as we were walking back to the hotel, we turned around and the chef of the restaurant was running down the street after us with my gloves. Uh, does this happen often? And on the second trip, when I went to Osaka Castle, they made an announcement that somebody had handed in 15 yen, uh, that's, that's like 10 pence, or <laughs> what, like 5 cents, yeah. uh, 15 yen that had been left behind in a vending machine. Would you say that these are very Japanese things that would have otherwise been ignored in other countries? Uh, where Japan is weird with that sort of stuff, like... I remember handing back my change once. It's quite common in the UK, right? If you get some change to the tune of two or three pence, often you just say, oh, I leave the change. I don't yeah, need the change, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. At least I do, because I despise change. But in the, in Japan, it doesn't work. I've tried it, and it's really, really awkward. You say, oh, you know, I don't need the change. And they go, no, 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 you have to take the change, because <laughs> I think it fucks up the system, the till system, yeah, yeah, if yeah. they had to change in it or something, and they get very anal about that. So, yes, there's that. And also, Japanese people are very good when it comes to lost things, like gloves, uh, and like anything. Um, if you lose something, people will chase you down for it, for better mm. or worse. Down the street. It's happened to me numerous times for umbrellas, phones, sanity. I've forgotten it all, and somebody's <laughs> run down the street after me clutching it in hand, waiting to give it back to me. So oh, don't be surprised if that happens. And, and, and lost property, I think I've, I've spoken about this before on the podcast, I've I found a couple of uh, things that I never thought I'd see again. People just don't steal stuff, they just hand them in, mm. and they and there's usually a pretty clear place where those things get handed in. Um, I, th I think I've spoken about finding like one of those Wi-Fi dongles uh, at um, Shinjuku Station, at the lost, and prop lost property thing, and they were very mm. diligent, mm. they were very sort of organised about where the lost property was, and so, yeah, they're... they're They've got a real, they've got a real respect for other people's property. I think it's fair to say. They're very good about it. Yeah, mm. you can never lose a thing in Japan. It'll always find its way back to you somehow. <laughs> There's always someone on a bicycle somewhere holding your box. Indeed, cycling hard and fast to get it back to you if you've lost it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Cool. Uh, we got right. an email from uh, Luis or Louis. Uh, hello, Chris and Pete, all the way from Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. That's impressive. Huge. Huge. It's funny um, when you when you think of listeners, you think, oh, probably the UK or America or Canada, but yeah, Puerto Rico. Mm. Get in. Miles away. Uh, first, uh, first of all, thank you for the podcast every week. They are amazing to listen to, and I always learn new things with you and Chris. Uh, and Chris, I love that sense of humour of yours. So apparently. My sense of humour is not good enough for the Puerto Rican community. Forgettable at best. <laughs> uh, I'm planning to travel to Japan for the first time next year, even in summer or fall. Any advice for either of those times? I plan to go to Sapporo in fall or Okinawa in summer, aside from Tokyo, Kyoto and Osaka. The trip is for two weeks, maybe a little bit more, but any advice would be greatly appreciated. Mm. I would say go in reverse. Go to Sapporo in the summer because it's kind of cool up there right mm. in terms of weather and go to yeah. Okinawa in the fall because it's just bearable I went to Okinawa in August and it was so damn hot that it kind of killed the enjoyment a little bit there's lots of yeah. insects it was very hot I was like a baked bloody potato I don't know if I'd recommend going there in summer go there in fall the best time to visit Japan in general I find is September to early November yeah yeah. around then temperature's just right all the kids are back in school after August. Thank God, a little shit's girlfriend. <laughs> it's great. You'll love it. Go there. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, but yeah, 
Do that. I was, Do that I was, in reverse. I was trying to go over October time because Halloween happens then and it's a lot of fun. Uh, hello to uh, Ewan. Hello, gentlemen. I would like to learn more about Japanese fried chicken. I've seen Chris enjoy this delicacy in a few of the YouTube videos. That's a dig. And I am thoroughly captivated. I am myself a fried chicken lover and have enjoyed uh, chicken karaage on uh, several occasions. Is there more than one type of fried chicken in Japan? What makes it different from fried chicken in the UK? I want to know. Uh, I've seen a few of the YouTubers gorging on fried chicken from convenience stores such as Lawson's and Family Mart and this is certainly an experience uh, I would like to indulge in keep up the good work and thank you for the videos kind regards you and he wants to know more about the fried chicken uh, there is two types of fried chicken in Japan the first Ooh. is fried chicken which right. is just like we know it in the west right uh, mm. and that's the one I really like and I often go on about so in Family Mart they've got the best one it's called Fami Chiki literally family chicken right. chicken uh, and it is just like KFC but reasonably priced for 100 yen you get this beautiful fillet of chicken it's breaded it's got spices the colonel would love it if he was still here today mm. it's better than KFC for my money and cheaper Whoa. and that's why I like it you just walk in you get your fried chicken it comes in a wrapper which you can tear open so you don't have to hold the greasy chicken it's mm. kind of insulated from that and then you can gorge on that and off you go and the other kind of chicken is karyage chicken karyage which is uh, chicken that's been marinated in soy sauce, in mirin, which is kind of sake, uh, and it's kind of marinated in lots of different things, and then powdered and floured, battered, and that's a, that's more the more iconic Japanese karyage. Mm. And you get that at like restaurants and things. Uh, if I go to an izakaya Japanese restaurant. I always order it. It's always on their list somewhere. I think you've probably had it, right, Pete? I've definitely had you've it. You've probably had both. You've uh, had both, of course. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, and the problem is, like, I've not eaten today, so this is all making me feel very <laughs> hungry indeed. Um, uh, hello to Gav. Thank you, Gav, for your email. Good day. Chris and Pete, I think we'll probably surmise where that man's from. Um, listening to the Why Is Everything So Small episode, I thought of a funny incident when I travelled to Japan for the rugby last November, Australia versus Japan it was. I'm five foot five, relatively Ooh. short, so I kind of blend in with the crowd except for my beard. <laughs> That's a bit weird. That makes it sound like the beard is like really long, like five foot four or something. Uh, my mates, are, however, are six foot one and six foot four, uh, respectively, so basically they are giants. We were at a waffle store in Shinjuku. And I turned around after purchasing my delicious waffles to see my uh, six foot four mate laughing loudly, and asked what. F and I asked what was funny. He said he was eating his waffles and noticed a small Japanese girl standing next to him, and he was self-conscious about being in the way. So he looked around to check he wasn't blocking the line, and noticed another small girl subtly tried to take a photo of her friend standing next to the two giants yeah. eating. The girl standing next to him was trying to hide the fact she was doing the peace sign. <laughs> Can you really do Naturally. the peace sign surreptitiously? He turned to her and said konnichiwa and said in English would you like a photo while doing the camera hand gesture she turned slowly looking startled and wide eyed and they both giggled and ran away how many times have Japanese women run away from you Gav how many times no, sorry not Gav Chris how many times Chris <laughs> uh, well uh, that's I've, that's a situation I've been in definitely <laughs> although it can go either way right they'll either run away screaming and laughing mm. or they'll go for it they'll go for it you say yeah. do you want a photo they'll, you'll catch them it happens to, <laughs> used to happen to me quite a lot yeah. I used to sit in McDonald's uh, after work well, after I'd been teaching and there's always loads of bloody students around there was no escape I'll be sitting there eating my chicken nuggets and I'd notice all the students be taking photos of me around me and posing like 
like in in ways that I'd rather they weren't. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it happened quite a lot. So I don't think they've run away from me that that much, though. I no. don't think I'm that intimidating. No, I think uh, <laughs> I can see why six foot four giant. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. I guess that, that, that those Japanese kind of people girl. kind of stick out as well. And I imagine they're probably broad if they love a bit of rugby. Um, broad in Japan. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Hi, Pete, Chris. I was just wondering if you had any insights. I'm just going to get that, just forget that pun didn't happen. Hmm. Uh, wondering if you had any insights into what it could be like for an LGBTQ plus person living in Japan and as a foreigner. Also, would they be op- would that would people be openly negative about you being in the LGBT community? Uh, for things such as the JET program. What I will say, and thanks Clara for that email, is where I used to work in Yamagata, we had 80 teachers and at least 10 of them were in the LGBTQ plus community. I don't think there's any problem about it or you have any difficulties, especially in a school on JET. Well, I, th- I think especially because um, uh, Japanese uh, like relationships are quite private anyway. Like, there's not a lot of mixing mm. uh, work with pleasure, let's say. Mm. Uh, so, would anybody? That's particularly a good point. Notice? I don't know any Japanese yeah. people who are LGBTQ plus. I don't know anybody, so mm. they're very quiet about it. Apart from a restaurant in Sendai, where the owner tells everyone he's gay and just runs around trying to. Well, just flirting with all the guys rather uncomfortably, <laughs> including me, while I was in his own establishment. Well, he's you know, the exception to the rule. Well, you can't tip, yeah. so he's got to get something out of it. Um, Chris <laughs> from Wisconsin says, So next uh, March and April, I'm going to be in Japan for the first time. Currently, it's just me and my sister going nothing against my sister. That's rude. <laughs> but uh, That's I just a wait, good thing to say. Yeah, nothing against my sister, but she's my sister. Uh, and we've all, I've got a sister, and yeah, she's a pain in the ass. But... I just wish I could find some more people to travel and explore with. Just wondering if there's some sort of resource I can use to uh, find more people to hang with and create my own Travelling Japan entourage. Chris from Wisconsin. Surely mm. there must be a website out there somewhere. Oh, I don't know if there's a website. Tinder. I talked about that yeah, before. We talked about Tinder's that before. a great yeah, way to meet people. Not yeah. for hooking up, but actually Japanese people use it just to meet up and hang out with people, I yeah. find. And also, if you're in a hostel... That is the number one way that I find people befriend people. Right. Being in a hostel, right? There's always some people in the bar or at a hostel bar. Even if you're not staying at a hostel, go to a bar near a hostel and you can meet people and do do it that way. Yeah. But it, it's, a t- it's a tough one, I won't lie. It's a difficult one. Mm. I just find you have to just go out there at night and just try and find people and meet people along the way and see what happens, really. Justice delicious. Wow. Hi Chris and Pete. Hello from Toronto, Canada. Ooh. Hope you're doing well. I love following your adventures through YouTube and our podcast. My dream of visiting Japan is finally coming true. Just booked my air ticket for a two-week trip in late August to early September. I heard your recent podcast on a two-week itinerary with your re- with your recommended spots. Thank you for taking so much effort and sharing with the rest of us. I'm hoping you could weigh in on something. I'm really fascinated by the remote islands of Japan, but is this something that should be included in a first-time visit to Japan? I want a mixture of must-dos as well as off-the-beaten type of adventures. Mm. Looking forward to your response, Tirith. Uh, islands. We talked about, in the last week, we talked about Cat Island. Yeah. Um, Rabbit Island. Previously, we talked about Tobishima Island, which is off the coast of Yamagata. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We've talked about Rabbit Island. Pete loves it there. <laughs> I do. It's good. It's loads of fun. I don't really know what other isolated islands there are. Unless yeah. you're thinking about Ishigaki, south of Okinawa, which my friend Ryotaro swears by. Very tropical island. Mm. Uh but yeah, I don't really know though. I can't really if, help if, you out if, other than if those only gone for two weeks, animal though. islands. Yeah, if you're only going for two weeks for the first time, I mean, mm. I, I guess you'd be looking at. Uh, it's kind of hard to rabbit keep, island, and also like I guess the islands aren't that well. Um, I mean, you got the train to the island itself, but then you got to get from the main train station to the port. So you can get on a boat to get to the where you need to be and things like that. So it the might only be a, one, yeah. The only one is Rabbit Island, really. You can yeah. fit into your two-week itinerary. Mm. It's your first time, I'd definitely say, because that, that's near Hiroshima. Yeah, mm. definitely do that. Uh, so thank you for that uh, email. It was Tirath, Tirath. So uh, good old news, Tirath. Uh, Fabian, or Fabian. Uh, hi, Chris and Pete. Uh, since we all know Pete likes his football, soccer, uh, I'd like to know more about the football slash sports in Japan. How big is football over there? Is there much of a cult following, or is it more about baseball or some other sport? Have you been into any matches of any sport in Japan yet? Hmm. Have hmm. you done much um, sport- sporty behaviour? Have you been to many matches, uh, Chris? I haven't. I... I, I just hate sports. Yeah. I was never good at sports, so I kind of stayed away from it. Football is very popular here. It's the second most popular sport after baseball. And uh, a lot of my students used to like British football teams, like Manchester United and Chelsea. They were yes. always the big two um, because of Japanese football players, mm. uh, I think. And also just because, I don't know, British football teams did a tour of Asia, didn't they, a few decades ago? And that seems to have left a lasting effect, the ultimate yeah. marketing 
ploy. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's, you've, you've it's had some global, experience here, though, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, it's a global game, isn't it? Obviously, um, uh, South Korea and Japan had the, had the World Cup a little while ago, obviously. Uh, yeah, um, I went to see a team called Venfred Kofu, uh, which is in Kofu, I do believe, a beautiful part of, mm. uh, of Japan, just a couple of hours out of, uh, well, on a slow train out of uh, Tokyo. I got on the wrong train. I was going to see FC Tokyo. Um, I ended up happily um, finding a, a town that also had a J-League team and they won 2-0 and they had about five Brazilian journeyman footballers uh, playing for them, one of which was called Ronaldo. I bought a shirt and now when I go to the gym, I wear my Venfrey Kofu shirt. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful <laughs> and strange kind of... Um, strange kind weird of, experience. It was a weird experience and it was a weird experience watching people watch football because they had like singing sections, big flags. Uh, people would just put their wallet down and just go to the toilet. We've talked about that before. Um, you know, it was a it was a very unique uh, bit of football uh, experience. I've also gone to see a bit of wrestling as well. That's always uh, that's a, that's a big love of uh, of the Japanese as well. So go and see some uh, some um, some I... professional wrestling. That's always fun. Corican Hall. I actually, I actually met or saw Chelsea Football Club. Uh, who was that really tall one? Uh, who was the captain tr- of the team I'm a few sure. years ago? Well, I mean, there's only I mean John Terry, Frank Lampard. They're the big two, I guess. Frank Lampard, him, well. yeah. Frank Lampard. Oh, Frank okay. Lampard. I bumped into him and the entire Chelsea team about five years ago in a skyscraper in Yokohama. Ah. Uh, so the, the Japanese uh, people that are organising the event thought I was a cameraman because I had a Canon camera. camera out. I was just a tourist with my friend walking around taking photos, and they thought I was. <laughs> A photographer for Chelsea, and they right. let me on the red carpet. Oh, that's hilarious! And I was just like, "What's going on?" And I just turned around. <laughs> there was Frank Lampard. I was like, "Oh, it's Frank Lampard." This would Couldn't be really great if I cared about football. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's weird mag- situation. Magical. Yeah, seriously weird. Yeah. That is magical. And I su- yeah, and I suppose over there, the thing is, like over there, they're still global stars. You know, they're still very well known. Mm, and there's no. Mm. What I found Absolutely. is if if you go to buy like a J League top, a J League um, like sports top, very expensive. It's like seventy quid, ridiculously expensive for a for what is ostensibly just a soccer shirt. Unbelievable. Um, Chris, I've just noticed this ex- next email. I'm not really sure what it's about, so you better read it out. Hi, Chris and Pete. I'm a Japanese student in the UK and I've been a fan of your videos for a while. And now this podcast has become my best English listening text. I'm listening to it almost every day. Sounds creepy, but it's a good way to keep my English skills because I never get bored. That's not creepy. It's just good marketing for me. Good. Yeah, listen to the podcast. (laughs) I have one thing I wanted to say. You guys have talked about Suica card in Japan and wondered why it doesn't have any watermelon image. Ah. I don't want to be a nuisance, but I don't think Suica means watermelon. I think Suica is short for sui sui, onomatopoeia <laughs> expressing uh, the movement of smoothly and card. We love abbreviation. Keep up the great work. <gasps> Best, my. Ah, that makes sense. My, that makes sense. We said so previously Suica meets watermelon right but yeah. it doesn't sweet is actually an onomatopoeia for the word smooth sweet sweet, sweet. and card sweet car sweet sweet car oh. so sweet car ah this is my, a groundbreaking that, moment thank you my, my thank you for correcting so useful us. but, but sweet does mean watermelon that is the word for watermelon yeah, but yeah in yeah, this yeah. case you see you what they've done there wrong. They could That's have right. a bit. They could have a bit more fun with it and put a watermelon. They could make it out of watermelon. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. It might perish quite quickly, but uh, yeah. Confuse the, everyone. The email I was referring to though was just the email you've put in here that literally just says Pete's hair uh, from Madeline Barnwall. I'm not really sure what that's uh, about. Just literally that. That's that's just. A, I thought that was worth putting in. Yeah, I mean that was an email that just says Pete's hair, and it's from Madeline Madeline <laughs> Barnwell. <laughs> Barnwall. 
God knows. Don't God know knows. What, what there is about your hair, Pete, it's... Pete has a glamorous hairstyle. It's very glamorous. Slick. So glamorous. Combs it and everything. So glamorous. Uh, Magnus Stone. Hello, Magnus Stone, which I think might be appearing in the new Avengers movie. Hi, Chris and Pete. Uh, loving the podcast so far, and I was really surprised to hear Chris's beatboxing abilities. How did you learn to beatbox, Chris? Uh, when did you learn? Why did you learn? And how long have you been learning for Magnus Stone? I first discovered beatboxing as a kid when I was watching The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, no less. Because <laughs> uh, Will Smith used to always do it. He'd always be like... It was always popular, right? Ah. And I wanted a drum kit as a kid. I was obsessed with the drums, but we had a very small house. Uh, so we couldn't get a drum kit because it would just annoy everyone. So I had to use my mouth and then... I didn't realise it was a thing as well. I thought, just being a bit mental, just sitting in my room beatboxing. Mm. But yeah, I wouldn't say I'm good at it though. I just do it every now and then, and I found that it's the great. It's a great way of uh, getting bringing students back to life in Japan. English students, they sit there listening to me rattle on about something, and then I go, "But what's that, children?" And they're like, "Wow!" And it just—that's what I used it for. So again, if you're English teaching in Japan, being an English teacher, learn how to beatbox. It'll change everything. It'll make you a great teacher. <laughs> Definitely, and you are good at it. Don't put yourself down. You are good at it, uh, Neil. Hello, Neil. Uh, hey, hey, Chris and Preet. I hope you're doing great, smiley face. Uh, I absolutely love your podcast. It's become a routine for me to listen to it on my way home at the end of each week. My question for both of you is, what were you two like when you were at school? Beatboxing, Neil. Beatboxing. Beatboxing my way through school. Yeah. I was very conniving, uh, conniving scheming, scheming little bastard. I remember I once rigged a talent contest because there was a girl that I really fancied and she was in the talent contest and after she performed, I went over to all the judges and I was like, she's won, all right? And they were like, okay, because I was running the event. Oh. So I rigged it and she won and then I didn't even tell her that I'd rigged it for her to win. Uh, so I don't really know what I was getting out of it, really. Maybe it was just be being nice. <laughs> Did you get together in, a selfless in the end? kind of way. We didn't, no. She, no. I'd, mm. I'd rather not talk about it, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> you brought you know, it I was only, this weird I was only altruism. 10 years old as well. I was 10 years old and I was already rigging Unbelievable bloody <laughs> talent contests. Uh -huh. So yeah, very scheming, conniving, horrible boy who would often be boxed to impress girls. Well, that sounds, you, sounds like the complete package to me. Uh, I was just a little um, <laughs> class clown. I always used to say on my school report, would be quite intelligent, would get more done if he was not the class clown. So there we go. <laughs> Amazing work, guys. Love your weekly podcast. Quick question, Chris. Uh, what did you love the most about Yamagata, E-L-T? Uh, I liked just escaping everything. There was a little mountain I'd go and sit on the top of uh, every two or three weeks when I was stressed. And I'd go and sit on this mountain and I'd look over the plains of Yamagata, the Sea of Japan, and a very tall volcano called Mount Chokai from that one spot. And I would just sit there and think, wow, I don't care about anything right now. No social media, no annoying people, no nothing, just there in that moment. And so it was that ability to escape somewhere and just really enjoy nature. I love that. And as I said before, I love being a part of the community as well, so... I really do have fond memories of Yamagata. Whenever I'm feeling down or angry or just bad, I just uh, think about Yamagata and my time there. It really was some of the best years of my life. It was the best years of my life, no doubt about that. 
You go back Me to getting your sentimental ma- now. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? You go back to your mind mountain every time you get a little bit stressed. <laughs> I'm having that. Mind um, mountain. <laughs> uh, this one comes from uh, Peter. Hello, Peter. I, I want to share you know. a fun story from when I was in Japan with my wife. I don't think it's that fun a story. Dreadful news. Uh, we went to Japan uh, for a month travelling around the country. The first week in Japan, I was very tense, always trying my best to be respectful and showing um, uh, off my best manners. On the way to the 40th Sumida uh, River uh, Fireworks Festival, we managed to get seats in the subway. Halfway through the journey, an elderly woman stepped onto the train. Me, trying to be a good gaijin, I stood up as fast as humanly possible to offer my seat to her. Unfortunately, being a rather tall fellow, I launched myself straight into the handlebar, the bit at the top of the train. The sound of the impact was so loud that all the people in our section of the metro just stared at me. I played it off looking like nothing had happened, even though both the elderly woman and my wife looked at me in concern. After five minutes, I reached for my head to feel the inevitable bump on my skull. When I took my hand down, there was rather a lot of blood. Luckily, I was tall than any Japanese person on board the metro. I love this, Chris, because he's clearly trying to be the most polite man <laughs> in the world and trying to bleed silently on the train. Fantastic this is what happens, work. isn't it, when you do a nice thing? The world comes down around you. Unbelievable. I spent that evening with an open laceration on top of my head. The rain poured down watching the fireworks with my wife. After the festival ended, I told her what really happened. (laughs) And after a little bit of uh, scolding from the wife, we went to three different emergency rooms before they accepted a foreigner at nine in the evening. But at the hospital... We had many laughs, had tons of fun communicating with the doctors through Google Translate. I got stitches and uh, roll bandages around my head with doctors and nurses explaining, uh, exclaiming, kawaii. Uh, I think they were trying to downplay how stupid I looked, to be honest. At the end, it was a bit of a fun experience afterwards, uh, and I started to loosen up in Japan, which made the rest of the trip so much better. I attach the doctor's note for the heck of it. What is even more fun is that they thought we were going home the day afterwards. And he basically um, has got a... Doctor's not, and it's all in English, which is wonderful. Um, uh, I'll read it out. It basically says, to whom it may concern. Uh, uh, this is uh, Mr. Peter, male, 24, year, 24 years old. Uh, his birthday is 5th of the 6th, 25. Confusing. Um, anyway, uh, Mr. Peter, Mr. Something Peter, uh, hit, hit his head <laughs> against the fence of the train in Japan. Because he visits this hospital on July 29th, 2017, I looked bleeding, <laughs> and the contusion length uh, of uh, three millimetres in, uh, in depth... Syncopate? I'm not really sure what that means. Um, he didn't it makes vomit. makes no sense. No. He didn't vomit. Disturbance of consciousness and convulsions, therefore didn't perform head CT scan, observed the progress. I sutured contusion contu- uh, contu- uh, in syncopate. I don't know what syncopate means. Syncopation? I don't, I, using making up words, this doctor. Yeah, this using stepler two needles. They will return to Denmark tomorrow. Thank you with respect of follow-up to future. <laughs> yeah, they didn't return to Denmark the no. next day. They didn't. That is wonderful. I'm enjoying that immensely. What a brilliant story. <laughs> uh, last question. We've made it. Oh, my we? God, we got well. there. Last we question. Got there. Hey, Chris and Pete. Been loving the podcast. I read an article in Japan Times saying that Tohoku has just broken a record for tourism this year. I couldn't help but think the Abroad Japan channel helped <laughs> this number. What do you think? Also, I'm currently working as an English teacher in Niigata. Will the channel be showing any cool stuff around Niigata in the future? Thanks for all the great videos and podcasts and keep up the good work. Graham Hill. Uh, I don't think the videos probably contributed at all. Come on now. Or maybe they definitely did. All of the videos you see, playing it? of course they did. All of the videos you see are all about Japan, all about Tokyo and Osaka and all those places. You know, twenty thousand Japan and stuff, and people talking about vending mm. machines and all that crap. 
You know, you're presenting a little, something a little bit different. Something a little bit different, Chris. I'm basically, well, I think I'm solely attributable to the, you know, the tourism going up in, in tour hockey. I and, think you, know, you should. Thanks to me and I, me alone. I think uh, you should be some kind of I deserve of some mayor. sort of award. <laughs> mayor. I should be the mayor of, of tour hockey. Yeah, I think uh, so. I don't know. I can't say. I think it's probably more to do with the economic rise of China and a growing middle class that can spend money and travel as free as they want. Uh, I think that's more... What it is probably oh, because I think it is just Chinese and Taiwanese Korean tourists. So <laughs> yes, I don't know. And as for Niigata, I love Niigata because I have some good friends there, but I've never found that much there to cover. And the things that I have found, I've already done, like the sake vending machines and Niigata Station, which I love, love so dearly, and I go there at least once a year, mm. make a pilgrimage. And uh, Sador Island, which I went to with Ryotaro last year and had a really nice trip. I love Sado Island. It's a great little getaway. Actually, going back to the island getaway uh, question earlier, Sado Island is quite nice. I don't mm. think you'll, again, I don't think you'll fit it into your two-week itinerary, but uh, again, next time you come to Japan, go for it. Sado Island, it's a beautiful place. Very relaxing, romantic, wonderful place. Beautiful. And that's the 21 questions. All 21 questions. Mission. Got 21 questions to go. I got 21 questions to go. Do some beatboxing. Yeah. <laughs> we got... Oh, wow. I can't believe we got there. Well done, Chris. I feel very sweaty. I'm actually sweating because we rushed through it so oh, much. never mind. Well, that, yeah, that might just be the fact that it's incredibly hot Take in this off. room because I haven't put the air conditioning on because it's very noisy. Well, <laughs> let's get Either out of here or. so you can run an ice bath and you can have a little lie down in it. <laughs> yes. But if, do send us more questions, yes. guys. We, we've actually gone through the entire inbox now. We, we're running low, so do send more questions in. We like to do this every month. There's the fax machine. This is the fax machine episode, cleverly mm. branded by Pete. He deserves that one. Yeah. Uh, send in your questions, comments, anything to abroadjapanpodcast at gmail.com, and it may well appear in next month's podcast for the questions so for now guys as always no matter where you might be out there in the big wide world thanks for listening and we'll see you next wednesday take care bye bye
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 